The California Department of Fair Employment and Housing sounds like a bureaucratic bore fest, but it's actually pretty important. It files lawsuits against companies and landlords accused of discrimination, which, believe it or not, is still a big thing here in deep blue California. Most of the department's cases don't get any attention, let alone peck away at structural racism and sexism. But that may change with a lawsuit against a giant in the world of video games. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. A United Nations panel reports that the effects of climate change will get worse, but we can still avoid the worst case scenario. A Los Angeles County Superior Court judge denies a request by Britney Spears to remove her father from her conservatorship. And Canada finally opens its borders to vaccinated Americans. Point Roberts and Tuktoyaktuk, here I come. Today, we talk about California's lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. The Santa Monica-based company made $8 billion last year on the strength of classic video games like Overwatch, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater, and of course, World of Warcraft. But the state argues the Activision Blizzard company fostered a quote-unquote pervasive frat boy workplace culture, end quote. Such behavior led to sexual harassment against female employees, according to the lawsuit. The move comes during a years-long debate in video games about equity and a culture long dominated by white men. Our guest today, LA Times reporter Todd Martins and workers from Activision Blizzard who are pushing for reform. Todd Martins covers video games and pop music for the LA Times. The headline for his recent essay about the Activision Blizzard lawsuit goes like this. This may be one of the most important entertainment lawsuits ever filed, and no one seems to care. Todd, welcome to the Times. Hey, good to be here. Activision Blizzard has long had some of the big names in video games. I mentioned Call of Duty and World of Warcraft earlier, but they also did Guitar Hero, which was huge back in the day. So how did the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing get interested in the company and what does its lawsuit allege? So this is actually the second time, you know, that department has gone after a video game company. They've previously been looking into uh, Riot Games which publishes the wildly popular eSport League of Legends. So I think, you know, just the video game world is sort of on their radar. And obviously there's been, over the last, I'd say, three years, if you've been following along online, there's been just a lot of concern in the post-Me Too movement about how the video game industry is so overwhelmingly male. Um, Recent estimates put it at about 75% male. And the vast majority of that 75% are uh, white men. So there's just been lots of allegations of various workplace abuses from, you know, sexual harassment to just plain improper sort of work cultures. So, yeah, this suit largely it goes after uh, the Blizzard division of Activision, which is responsible for uh, World of Warcraft and uh, Overwatch. Some of the allegations, there was one, something about cruising of cubicles, basically people openly talking about the appearances of female employees. What are some of those allegations? According to the lawsuit, one of the regular occurrences in Blizzard was what they called cube crawls, which was essentially uh, the men in the department would go from cubicle to cubicle, drinking at each cubicle, getting more belligerent along the way from either just commenting on women's appearances to unwanted uh, touching The lawsuit alleges that management was well aware of these things, actually partook in them. And then there were some other, uh, just everything from inappropriate comments when uh, one woman, as she assumed a managerial role, she asked for a raise to be compensated for her new role. 
She reported, according to the lawsuit, that she was told that they couldn't give her a raise or a promotion because she may become a mother and enjoy raising a child. So it just sounds like a very toxic uh, workplace. All these allegations come in the wake of Gamergate in 2014. That's when online trolls began a full-fledged campaign to publicly harass women in the industry. But the issue of sexism, of course, in video games preceded that and continues. It's actually pretty notorious for it. Yeah, I mean, there was a time in the 70s where, you know, the video game industry was considered sort of the rebels in Hollywood. You know, famously, Atari would have meetings in uh, hot tubs and they would like brag about these things. Um, So I think uh, there's been this sort of sense that they're, you know, rebels they're outsiders, they're the Grand Theft Auto, they're sarcastic and they're proud of it. And I think that's finally catching up to them as the audience for video games has expanded so much. Everybody grows up with games and people are starting to ask, how can they see themselves represented in these games? And people are starting to ask who's making these games, who are they making these games for? I think for a long time, especially if you look at how women were portrayed in games, whether it's the characters in World of Warcraft, there is an online video going around of BlitzCon, their video game convention, where a woman asks the Blizzard executives if they could have characters who don't look like they stepped out of a Victoria's Secret catalog. And she has essentially laughed off the stage. So it's just sort of that sort of mindset has been the prevailing attitude you know, for the last few decades. And I should say that as a someone who loves video games, obviously there are tons of exceptions. But when it comes to mainstream video game culture, that's been the, the mindset. We'll be back after this break. Todd, representatives for Activision Blizzard called the allegations in the lawsuit that California filed against the company, quote, distorted and in many cases false. But that's not how a lot of employees feel. No, and I think right when they said that, they also put out another statement and also some company memos that were generally regarded as tone deaf by the employees. Basically, they just dismissed the entire lawsuit, called the allegations false, called the allegations out of date. And then you had a number of employees going on Twitter saying, hey, no, I I worked there two years ago. I can verify that a lot of what in that lawsuit rings true to me. So then you had what was a walkout in Blizzard's uh, Irvine offices. People are working from home, so they went to the office and basically staged a protest in front of the building. And what did people do at this walkout? Were they holding up signs? They were holding up signs. They were calling out the uh, culture of the company, but they also came with a list of demands. Basically, they wanted to end mandatory arbitration clauses in all employee contracts. They wanted to uh, change hiring practices to increase the number of women at the company. And they wanted the publication of all compensation data. One of the primary allegations of the lawsuit is that women are vastly underpaid, both in their salary and in their salary stock options packages compared to other male employees. They also want a third-party audit of the company's management and HR department. As they said, in the wake of these statements, they just lost faith in the leadership because the leadership obviously was aware that there were problems with the culture that these staffers claim they've been trying to fix and begging to fix. You wrote in your essay that you're surprised California's lawsuit against Activision Blizzard isn't getting more attention. People still consider gaming to be niche, even though it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Do you think this lawsuit will change that presumption? I hope so. I mean, as somebody who you know does really care about games and does care about you know the game community, I would like to see it get more attention and more sort of serious attention in the way we pay attention to film and television. I mean, I just can you imagine if the state of California sued, you know, just pick a company at random in Hollywood or a streaming company, 
you know, it, it would be like international news if they filed a lawsuit against, you know, a, a Disney, a Netflix, a Sony, a, a Microsoft, a, whoever. That's just kind of the attention that I, I'd like to see games get because games have that audience. And, you know, especially I think when it comes to mainstream media in particular, you're dealing with sort of this legacy coverage of how things are handled. And there is a games media that does a terrific job. So I think, you know, it's hard for a publication, you know, people aren't coming to the LA Times to read about Call of Duty. So it's sometimes hard to explain why this industry needs coverage. But I think this lawsuit sort of proves why it needs coverage. How has the industry reacted to the lawsuit versus how gamers reacted to the lawsuit? You know, there were some protests in World of Warcraft. Some people tried to sit out World of Warcraft. But I mean, you know, the gaming community hasn't really sort of boycotted games in the same way we've seen. You know, we've seen television shows, uh, movies essentially be ripped apart when there's some sort of Me Too allegation. And that hasn't really happened in, in the game space. Ubisoft, a French company last year, faced a number of allegations of a toxic workplace and a number of sexual harassment allegations. A number of leaders were either let go or stepped down. But the games that were called into question that these people led, such as Assassin's Creed, came and went with the same amount of hype that they always come with before. And that's not to say that the people who work on these projects, every single one of them deserves to have their project and their livelihood sort of destroyed. There's a lot of you know good people who work on these projects. It's just the sort of, it hasn't gotten the same sort of attention or same sort of, let's avoid this, let's sort of send a message that we've seen in film and television. Thank you so much for this interview, Todd. Sure, thank you for having me. The ABK Workers Alliance is a group of current Activision Blizzard employees from across the company who, in their words, are, quote, committed to defending our right to a safe and equitable workplace. They're the ones who organized a walkout the company's Irvine headquarters a couple of weeks ago and have written an open letter to their bosses demanding change. Jesse and Blair from the ABK Workers Alliance join us now. They agree to speak on the condition that we only use their first names. Welcome to The Times. Thank you for having us. Hi, Gustavo. Thank you. Just for clarification, I'm Blair. I'm an Activision employee. My pronouns are she, her. I do not speak for Activision. And same, my pronouns are she, her. I'm an employee of Blizzard. I do not speak for Blizzard. Jesse, when California's lawsuit against Activision Blizzard was announced, did the allegations of sexism cited in the suit ring familiar with what you've heard and seen among your colleagues? My primary response when I saw the lawsuit was horror. It was so unsettling to see something like that written on paper. And the fact that this has been a two-year ongoing investigation to me signaled that there was plenty of evidence to back up the allegations that were being brought forth. I can't speak to the experiences of my colleagues, and I also do not wish to speak on my personal experiences either. More than anything else, to me, the lawsuit was a galvanizing call to action, a signal that there was something deeply wrong with an industry that I was a part of and an industry that I loved with all my heart. The lawsuit alleged sexual harassment had been going on in Activision Blizzard for years, and there was many, many instances that they documented. Why do you think it took so long for all of this to come out? Well, I think a lot of the times we get almost inoculated in this industry to these sorts of things. We get used to, oh, this is just how it is in this industry. And if you want to keep going, if you don't want to be retaliated against in a professional capacity, just sit down and shut up. But in addition to that, I think there's also a very, very real fear of retaliation that varies in magnitude, but certainly exists for a lot of different people across the company and across the industry. 
Yeah, you mentioned Blair. It might be a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, but the problems that the lawsuit mentions, it's all across the industry and indie levels, gamers, along with other pathologies like racism, homophobia, transphobia. And these problems are obviously across society, but it seems extra nasty in gaming where it seems not to just be tolerated, but celebrated. Why do you think these behaviors continue? I think anonymity lends a lot of defenses to folks who exhibit these kind of behaviors. I think also touching on what Blair mentioned earlier, there is a sense of isolation for a lot of people who have been victimized in these ways. There's a feeling of this just happens to me. And the normalization of these behaviors throughout the industry may make victims feel like their cases are not severe or not a big deal or maybe something that they should keep to themselves. I think that what this movement has started is a wave of realization. The fact is that behaviors like intolerance and abusive language, any form of discrimination against marginalized communities was never okay. And that's a common argument. Well, it was a different time back then, that the times that these allegations are pointing to, it was okay back then. But the truth is, it was never okay. It's just right now, the attention is being hyper-focused on this behavior. And we've seen this through all sorts of institutions in society, Hollywood, academia. And that's what always upsets me so much that the survivors of this abuse, they really think at some point, not just I must be the only one, but also that there's something shameful in speaking up about that abuse. I cannot speak for the industry as a whole, and I cannot speak for ABK as a whole. There are certainly pockets of the community where there is plenty of love and tolerance within any of the gaming communities. The response of leadership across ABK has been very varied. Some leaders of certain teams have been more outspoken in their support of the ABK Workers Alliance and of the movement that we're trying to perpetuate. Others have been less vocal. And I think the same can be said for the community as a whole. In certain spaces and in certain games, any kind of discriminatory behavior or any kind of abuse is not tolerated. People will speak up. They will defend those who face any kind of aggression. And the goal is to normalize that. I think that there is a fear that somehow normalizing acceptance is going to affect the quality of the game or the quality of the gameplay experience. And I can't stress enough how much that isn't the case. The goal isn't to demonize anybody, isn't to take your games away from you. The goal is to make the gaming space safe for everyone. It's just such a preposterous idea that, oh, if you have a a workplace environment that's not a bunch of jerks, if everything's all of a sudden nice, that somehow the quality of everything's going to fall down. It's preposterous. Yes, but it's one that's perpetuated across the industry and across the board in general. I think that, especially in film, there's the trope of the troubled artist who is like suffering for their art. But I think that tropes like that and stereotypes like that carry over very much into gaming as well because film and gaming are very much cut from a similar cloth. We're almost like sister industries in a way. Blair, do you think that California's lawsuit against your employer will put the rest of the industry on check that, hey, sexism and other types of hate and abuse just isn't cool? I think each company is going to have to have their own reckoning because if there was no lawsuit, I highly doubt that anything would have changed for at least years. And I think that this industry doesn't want to change. There are people within the industry who want it to change, but the people who are currently in charge of making that change happen do not want it to change, or at the very least are not listening hard enough. What I'm excited about is that this movement affords a starting point for 
not just Activision Blizzard King, but for the entirety of the gaming industry to evaluate themselves and to evaluate their behavior on a personal level, on a systemic level, and even in the content that we're making, and to consider how might I be perpetuating these abuses, this harassment. To the two of you, what does the ABK Workers Alliance want the hundreds of millions of people who play games created by its members to know? I mean, you had that open letter that had very specific bullet points, but just in general. Something that I've been trying to really promote is the concept of cautious, optimistic realism. I think that there is a lot of negative sentiment from a hopeless standpoint. People who are in agreement with what we ultimately are asking for, people who are in agreement with equal rights for employees, equal opportunity for a more diverse workplace, have this fog over them of, well, what can we possibly change? That's just business. We are helpless in the face of this massive behemoth that is any company, list any company here. I think what's most important is to try to keep the conversation going from the standpoint of we believe that this change is possible. Have faith in us. Have faith in the employees who are on the inside who are trying to make this change possible. Keep the conversation going. The outrage that we have seen pouring out after the news of the lawsuit broke was tremendous. And it started this extraordinary momentum that led to this alliance forming, that led to the first walkout, that led to the letters, that led to the response online from social media, from fans, from members of other industries across the community. And that momentum is what is going to usher in change. Change is very much possible. Just because it's normalized today doesn't mean it's right. Things that were normalized only a mere couple hundred years ago, we look back on them now thinking, gosh, that was that was kind of weird that we did that <laughs> objectively and ideologically. I've been really touched by the outpouring of support from the community. It's really heartening to see so many people, game devs and gamers alike, who just speak up in support. Don't stop speaking up. A message that I would like to pass to members of the community who are on the cusp, who are confused, who are nervous, who aren't sure where to stand or who to ally with. Change is always going to be difficult. Growth is always going to be uncomfortable. Discomfort comes hand in hand with growth. But more than anything else, please believe that most members of this movement are gamers. We are as much a part of the community as you are. And a lot of us play these games, love these games, want to see them thrive. You're both gaming professionals in an industry historically hostile to change, historically hostile to anyone who's not a straight white male. So why stay in it? Well, Wendy Carlos is a trans woman, right? Legendary musician and uh, just in the realm of technology. Yeah. Would you not say that a similar problem exists for film? I'm here because someone's got to make the industry safe, right? Someone has to be the first one. Without people like Wendy Carlos, we wouldn't necessarily, like I, I certainly wouldn't consider myself to be anywhere close to where I am now because I look up to people like that. I look up to people like Marsha B. Johnson, who also was a trans woman, who protested for queer rights, essentially. Stonewall. Yeah. Someone has to start the ball rolling so that others have the momentum to keep going. There's a sentiment that I see online in forums and uh, in different communities of just quit. ABK employees quit. 
that will show them, that will do the damage. And the truth is, if we quit, who is going to pioneer this change? Who is gonna fight for the rights of our coworkers and our allies? Jesse, Blair, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you. Thank you, Gustavo, so much for having us. Since we recorded these interviews, two top executives from Activision Blizzard have stepped down from their positions in the company. J. Allen Brack resigned as president of Blizzard Entertainment and Activision Blizzard's president of corporate affairs, Frances Townsend. She stepped down as an executive sponsor of the ABK Women's Network. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, we continue our crossover with our sibling podcast, The Envelope, and talk all things Emmys. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Marina Peña, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. Our intern is Ashley Brown, and our theme music is by Andrew Eben. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in Desmadre. Gracias. Gracias.